Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. All reality, friends, is written reality. All reality is under the sovereign rule and reign of God. Your life has a writer, and he is not just trying to cobble together a plot from wherever he can. Friend, if you are in Christ, your life is headed somewhere. Romans 8:28, which we've been pounding to death this whole series, is for God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. All things. Open God, oh my soul. or even impossible to conceive how good can come out of accidents or disasters. We hear the verse that Pastor Ricky quoted and wonder how that can even be. Surely the Israelites in exile asked themselves what good would come from their situation as well. Pastor Ricky will be sharing from the book of Esther and other scriptures teaching us about the sovereign will of God. He'll be teaching us how God, with his ability to see the end from the beginning, orchestrates events for our benefit. Now let's join Pastor Ricky for part two of his message, Risking Everything. Mordecai is reminding Esther that God will deliver his people. He can do it through Esther or he could do it another way, but he will do it, which is a pretty bold thing for Mordecai to say on the edge of death. He says, God is doing something in history. There's a direction and a sweep to history. And he's inviting Esther to be on God's side of history. God is still in control. God will deliver his people. And this is a plea for Esther to join what God is doing and will do. And then he adds this, which is fascinating. And who knows whether you've not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He's saying it is not an accident that you are there. God is sovereign over all of this stuff. So what does all this mean? Well, I think what Mordecai is getting across with all of this is getting to Esther this truth that God is still the sovereign ruler of all. God is still the sovereign ruler of all. It may seem like there's an unstoppable wave of genocide about to hit God's people, but God, he says, is still sovereignly in control. And God is a God of justice, and God is a God who has a plan. And so even though we don't know what God's plan is, it will be to save his people. Perhaps, he says, through you. Now, it's important to understand that he is not just trying to hype Esther up enough with enough courage that makes her brave enough to take a godly risk, right? Sometimes if you, if you like on Facebook, especially Instagram is all about this, right? People like working out and like hyping each other up to be like, yes! Like there's that, like that, great, um, that great video that went viral for a while where it's just this guy yelling, yes, you can do it! Stop saying tomorrow, say today, like do it! And don't lie that you've never watched that video in a motivational way, not just in an ironic way. But like in a low moment, you're like, you don't want to go run your three miles a day. And you're like, come on, Shia LaBeouf, give me your strength, right? That's not, that is not what Mordecai is doing. He actually, he doesn't even talk at all about Esther and how great she is and how she has this inner strength that we just need to pull out. He talks mostly without talking about it, he talks mostly about God. 
He talks mostly about, listen, help is gonna arise. Do you wanna be with the Lord or not? Maybe he's put you where he is. It's all about who God is that enables her to be strong and have courage in this moment. And it leads to two really key implications. First, this sovereign rule of God leads to the fear of the Lord. It leads to the fear of the Lord. In the Old Testament, the phrase, the fear of the Lord is often used. And it doesn't just mean fear like terror, but it means reverence and awe. It includes, okay, I I wanna be on the right side of this person. This person is a powerful person but it is a recognition that God is totally sovereign and totally just, and he sees all things and he judges all things. And therefore we should walk in a humble and reverent fear of the Lord. See, Esther, Esther's response is all about King Xerxes. What if he does this? You don't know how unstable my husband is. And Mordecai's response is essentially, listen, you have bigger things to worry about than King Xerxes. There is a ruler over King Xerxes, and I think you've forgotten that. Now, we don't know exactly why Esther eventually acts. We don't know if she acts out of a, I don't want the Lord to get mad at me, so I'm gonna do this. Or if she really has her heart changed and the fear of Xerxes is replaced with the fear of the Lord. I think it leans that way a little bit from some things we'll see in a second. But there's an exchange of fears that happens in her that moves her from being afraid of the king to being fearing in a godly way, fearing the Lord. Now, when I was 12, I jumped off a ski lift. And this does relate if you'll track with me for a minute. We were in Ruidoso. Has anybody been skiing in Ruidoso? Anybody this year? I don't know. I haven't gone this year. All right. Nobody skis here. Okay, great. Illustration failed. We're in Ruidoso. We're skiing. I'm about 12. And my friend Landon and I were skiing up and down Easy Street, the really easy thing. And near there, there's a chairlift that takes you all the way up almost to the top of the mountain. So what happened was we'd heard that later on that day, People in our party were all going to go up together to the almost top of the mountain and ski down. It's probably going to take, you know, several hours. It's going to be our big kind of ski, ski run for the day. And so my friend and I are just racing through this thing. We're thinking this thing's super easy. And then out of the corner of his eye, he thinks he sees one of the moms in our group get on the chairlift and we both panic. And he's like, they're, they're all leaving without us. And so we run over, we get on the ski lift, we jump on, we see here like several lifts up. And so Halfway up, though, he turns to me and goes, you know what, man, I'm not sure. I am not, I'm not sure that's her. And I look at him, and I'm like, what do you mean you're not sure? We just got on a ski lift. We're about to go nearly to the top of the mountain, right? We're like 12. And so with this particular lift, it had a midpoint where you could get off. It goes down drops you off at the midpoint, or it just keeps going way, 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 way up to the top of the mountain. And so I tell him, look, you got to decide by the time we get to the midpoint, if we're really going to get off or not. If you think that's her, we'll stay on. If you don't think it's her, we got to get off. And so he's like, okay. He's like, I think it's her. So I'm like, great. So chairlift goes down, goes to the little part where people, you know, jump off. And then it just starts to go up. And without a word, he just jumps down. (laughs) Like no warning. 
he's off. And so time like freezes for me and I'm in slow motion and every millisecond that I wait, the chairlift, you know how it goes down and then it goes back up? The chairlift is like climbing every millisecond that I'm waiting. So we're going from like two to four to six to eight to 10 to 12 feet, right? Like really fast. And so I have this moment where I realize, okay, I'm afraid of two things right now, okay? First, I am afraid of jumping off a ski lift. I have no idea what's down there. I don't know if I'm gonna die. I'm gonna hear a good sound like poof or a bad sound like crack. (laughs) We're all gonna know real quick. And I look down and he's not moving on the ground. And so I just think, okay, well, this really could be bad, but I'm also afraid of something else. I'm afraid of essentially riding a ski lift by myself to the top of a mountain. And as I'm sitting there, I have these visions of me years from now that they find me, that I've been living off of tree bark and I've been bitten by bears. And I'm like, ah, and I'm on the news like, boy, long lost, discovered, you know? And I think, you know, this is, I mean, and, and I'm from the desert. So for me, the woods are scary. The woods are not friendly. The woods are scary. And so these two fears are battling it out. And eventually my fear of skiing down the mountain by myself overcomes my fear of jumping off a ski lift. Because when you're 12, you're like, whatever. And so I jumped. And I'll spare you the suspense. I lived. (laughs) What happened in that moment? Well, one fear overcame the other fear, which moved me to action. And I think that's exactly what's happening with Esther. Her fear of the Lord overtakes her fear of this pagan king to the point where it finally moves her to action. Friends, we will not take godly risks until the fear of the Lord overcomes our fear of other things. That could be anything. It could be a fear for our safety? Do you fear God's approval or disapproval even more than you care about being safe? We're gonna show a mission presentation video of a family going to try to reach an unreached people group in Thailand. And the thing that was remarkable about it was not that they were going to an unreached people group, which we see all the time, but that in the video, they have multiple small kids. And they as a family have decided to follow the Lord and even put their safety at risk to spread the gospel and serve people in an area of the world that needs it. That fear of the Lord has to overcome that sometimes for us to act. Or comfort. Do you fear God's approval or disapproval more than your fear of losing comfort? One of the really practical ways we get at this in America is our money and our resources. What do you end up spending your money on? Is it maintaining your level of comfort? Or is it you putting that before the Lord and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? And that could be scary. Do you fear God's approval or disapproval more than you fear acceptance with the people around you? What if you know that God's calling you to do something in his word that your extended family is not gonna like? Or what if you really, really will wanna date somebody, but you know that they're not a Christian? You know this is gonna not end well. And God says, no, you don't wanna break the news to them. See, the fear of the Lord has to overcome our fear of other things. But the second implication is that the sovereign rule of God leads to confidence that he's placed us where we are. 
Mordecai tells Esther, who knows whether you've not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. This isn't like a, eh, who knows, right? It's like a, look, do you really think it's an accident that you just happened to be the queen of Persia and we really need somebody high up in the government of Persia to save God's people? Do you really think that's an accident that you happen to get picked and you happen to be advanced and you happen to have approval from the eunuchs and you happen to win the king's favor and miraculously you're still the queen and he doesn't have a great track record with his queens and you, you happen to be in the right place at the right time? Do you think that that is an accident? No, the sovereign rule of God has put you there. We've seen that Esther has ended up where she's ended up because of a combination of her mistakes and Mordecai's mistakes and the random events of this pagan kingdom and the mood of this king. And this is kind of a mess. But what Mordecai points to is that this may not be as much of a mess as we thought. Maybe God has been writing this story all along. I remember a few years ago when that show Survivor was really big. This was like a long time ago. The teenagers don't even know what Survivor is, probably. I remember Survivor being a huge, like, U.S. thing. And I remember all the credits, and one of the credits stood out to me, because I'm a kind of nerd that reads the credits. And one of the credits stood out to me, which was writer. So there's, like, director, photography, blah, 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 and then writers, and then it had, like, three people. And I thought, okay, listen, I'm not super sharp, but this is a reality TV show, right? No one's handing them scripts and stuff and saying like, okay, now you look sad because you're about to get booted off the island. No, they're just filming stuff. But what I learned, so I actually researched it, and what I learned is that with all reality television, there are always writers because somebody is always going into all this tape and picking storylines to make sense of what's happening. Okay, this, for some of you, it's like blowing your mind right now. What you see on television in reality TV is not real. Somebody comes up with, this guy's the villain. So we're gonna pull all the bad stuff he does for the whole season and keep showing it because he's a bad guy. And we're gonna play music that's like, you know? But this person is the clueless, funny guy. We're gonna take all the smart things he says out of the show and put all of his hijinks in. And when he does these things, we're gonna play music like, right? And so these writers are like, okay, funny guy, bad guy, good girl, um, kind of seductive girl. This guy's clueless. This guy's sharp. Okay, somebody's doing all of that, right? They're going into all of this and making sense of it. And I remember thinking after I researched this, man, I wish I could do that like with my life. Wish I could like look through all the tape and go, you know what? I'm gonna make some storylines here. I'm gonna make a storyline of like, Ricky just keeps getting cooler. <laughs> I'd like to write my own story a little bit. Now, biblically speaking, this is not something that the Lord, it's like all this is happening and as though God is trying to come in and make sense out of, you know, like I don't know how this is gonna work, but I'm gonna try my best to make sense out of it. No. All reality, friends, is written reality. All reality is under the sovereign rule and reign of God. Your life has a writer, and he is not just trying to cobble together a plot from wherever he can. Friend, if you are in Christ, your life is headed 
somewhere. Romans 8.28, which we've been pounding to death this whole series, is for God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. All things, everything in Esther's case and in your case, if you love God, if you've believed in Christ, your story is going somewhere good. And you are not there by accident. My friend Ian McConnell always likes to say, you live where you live and you work where you work and you relate to who you relate to because God has put you there. There is no accident across all space and all time. The God of the universe, sovereignly ruling and reigning, has put you where you are. One qualification, this doesn't mean like you can never make like a life change. You know, you can't accept another job because God put you in that job, so never accept another job. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. You can never make new friends or move or anything. What it does mean is that we should be receptive to seeing the sovereign hand of the Lord in our life and not see where we are as a product of chance or random circumstance, but by the design of God. Friend, let me ask you this. What opportunities do you have that you uniquely have because of your story? What opportunities are unique to you right now at this place in your life because of where God's taken you, because of where God's placed you, because of who you work with, because of who you relate to? Where are you positioned in the relationships around you to do good and to share the gospel and be a light? What relationships do you have? that you can do that? What are the hard parts of your life? And could it be that in those hard parts, even in those, God has positioned you to do good and to share the good news of the gospel and to be a light to the people around you? Where are your strengths and your gifts and your talents and your resources? What are you apt to do somehow because of ability or gifting or story has made you such? Could it be that God has positioned you right there to do good and to share the gospel and be the light? Friend, you are not there by accident. For many years, I don't have time to get into this, but for many years, I assumed I must have been born in El Paso by mistake. Once I traveled a bit and we went to California for the first time, I thought, okay, here, here is where I think God in history was like, you know, maybe he's throwing people into the globe and I just got, I'm just like a little over. Like Southern California, yes. And like, oh, I miss it. It's El Paso. Oh. I used to feel as though that's what happened. You miss the water. We have a lot of sand, but if we could just move, you know, I used to feel that for a lot of reasons. I thought that I was meant for other things. And God, over the last many years, has been reshaping me and helping me see, listen, you are where you are, and you live where you live, and you grew up where you grew up because I'm a sovereign and ruling and reigning God, and I have a purpose for you there. Friend, where can you see that in the Lord? Now, if you're like me, at this point, you may feel encouraged, but you also probably feel something else. Like me, you probably realize I have not always done this. I've allowed my fears to control me. I've missed opportunities to serve the Lord. I've put other things on the throne of my life. I've put other things in the place of ruling and reigning over my life instead of God. And friends, that is exactly where this text points us to Jesus. See, some parts of the Bible show us Jesus because people like David in their strengths 
point to a greater David that we can see those things that were in David are even better in Jesus. But other characters point us to Jesus through their failures. When we see, listen, they failed here and here and here and here, and yet when we put that up against Jesus, we see, oh, thank God that Jesus never failed here and here and here and here. See, Jesus was the fulfillment of all we're talking about. He trusted his father's sovereign rule so much that he never sinned and he never failed. Even when faced with temptation, even when faced with suffering, Jesus continued to trust and fear the Lord and walk in righteousness. In fact, Jesus trusted his father's sovereign rule to the point of death on the cross. Even as he carried the cross, even as he was beaten and mocked and bruised for things that he did not do, he trusted the Lord. And there's that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane where he could see all of this before him. And what does he pray? Father, not my will, but your will. He completely placed his life under the sovereign rule of God. And yet it seems as though he was crushed and killed. See, for Jesus, saying, if I perish, I perish, in the garden was not just big speech. No, he knew he would perish that day in the garden, and he still chose to follow the Father's will. And why? Why did he do this? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That God, in his providential rule and reign, sent Jesus for us and made him to be treated as if he had committed our sins so that we could be treated as if we had Jesus' righteousness. If we look at our records, friends, we are all like Esther. We all have chapters in our stories that we wish we could erase and rub out and and never have anybody know about. And what the world often tries to do is say, okay, go back over those parts and try to write enough good stuff that it overcomes the bad stuff and people can't see it anymore. But the Lord can always see it. And he offers a better way. He says, listen, if you trust in me and believe in me, I will go over your story. And over the parts where you failed, I will write, Jesus never failed. Friends, for us at the end of this chapter, our only hope is Jesus. And friend, if you've not trusted in Christ, don't wait. Today, you can have your story written over with the blessed ink of the life of Christ. And Christians, for us, it should remind us that even when things are hard, even when we're questioning whether God really cares about us or whether the story is going anywhere, we should look to the life of Christ. That God, if he would not spare his own son, but graciously give him up for us all, will he not also with him give us all things? Will he not also with him work all things together for our good and for his glory? And that, friends, that is what moves us to godly risk. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he's strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. There's so much more to discover in this God of Chance series, but that's all we have time for on today's edition of Better News Radio. If you'd like to hear today's message again, or if you'd like to find more teachings by Pastor Ricky, visit our website at betternewsradio.com. If you'd like a full-length CD version of today's teaching, you can order one by emailing us. 
at radio at betternewsradio.com. We're so glad that we can bring you God's Word through the ministry of Better News Radio. And we want you to know that we're praying for you always. We want to encourage you. If you haven't done so already, find a good Bible teaching church to become a part of. By joining a church, you gain a support group of fellow believers who put God's love into practice and can help you grow in your own relationship with your Creator. You too can contribute in your own unique way as well. And together, the body of Christ will reach many with the good news of the gospel. If you're in the El Paso area, we would love to have you come see us in person at Cross of Grace Church. We meet every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. to worship God and hear what He has to teach us through His Word. Find out more under the Community tab at betternewsradio.com. If you're not in El Paso, there's also some great resources to help you find a great church in your area. Thanks for listening to Pastor Ricky's message today from the God of Chance series. He'll have more to share next time right here on Better News Radio. Oh, my soul.